This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 47 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Bates Saddles, and Cashel Products. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. On today's show, we're dancing in the sandbox with Reese Koffler Stanfield of the Dressage Radio Show with her advice on introducing dressage to the retired racehorse. Amanda Preston joins us to share her story of Jose Jalapeno, a black standard bred who went from pasture companion to dressage star. And Leandra brings us our first training tip of the year and, of course, our new vocations adoptable horse of the week. Stay tuned. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Jamie, how is your new year starting out? Man, not so bueno. I found out today. Well, you know, it'll be better actually because I'm. I found out today that I have to go under the knife. Man, I gotta have surgery on my shoulder, which the shoulder's been plaguing me for years, and it's just gotten to the point where it's not. I just can't. Can like it hurts to put a saddle on a horse, and you know oh, no. we can't have that. So they're gonna go in and do a, a a surgery. But the the bright spot of the whole thing, Joy. Aside from they said, I'll feel a lot better and I'll be real successful. And they've seen it a million times. No, no problem. Is that, do you know what my surgeon's name is? What is it? James Bond. That's no. right. James no, it's not. Bond is my surgeon. So I'm feeling pretty secure in all of the things <laughs> that I'm going to do. So I'm not worried about it. It'll be fine. How's life up in Kalamazoo, Michigan? Because we're getting rain right now and it's like, you know, starting to get freezing and it's just awful and the barn prep that you have to do and the blanketing and all the things that you have to do to prepare for that. I feel pretty intense. A hundred times worse for you. <laughs> it was really fun taking uh, my horses to the new indoor so we could start work out there where we're both tiptoeing across ice for a good portion of it. I got to watch my gelding slightly slide down a hill. He's, he seemed to enjoy it though. I'm glad he found fun in that <laughs> terror. Um, but it, it's been pretty good so far. I kind of made a new year's resolutions for each of the horses and for myself. And our biggest thing this year is for my gelding, as well as my thoroughbred, it's focusing on relaxation. That's the hugest thing. It's, it's so perfect because we're actually going to be talking to Leandra about that in a little bit, but becoming really confident. I took, um, a master class during all the crazy weather with Tick Maynard on that Noel Floyd equestrian master class. Not sponsored, but if they're interested, send us an email. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking about the different levels of anxiety in horses, where you have some who have learned it's a technique to get out of work your lazier horses, and some who really just carry that tension from the top of their pole all the way to their tail. So it was kind of interesting to take that in and understand that's about the 1% improvements for each of those horses and not worrying about what everyone else is doing on social media or anything like that. It's just that's a life lesson right there. I it's know. Like, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. You be you. I have to admit tick hit me pretty hard, like in some really 
vulnerable places with those messages. I almost sent him a message like, please, please stop talking to my therapist. Get out of but, my head. <laughs> That's awesome. But it was really good. So we set those things and ready to put them in motion for the year. But before we get all into that and all of the cool things we're going to be talking about, which is dressage, my favorite thing, we're going to hear from Kentucky Performance Products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Have you heard of a yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii? It's a type of probiotic that benefits your horse's digestive tract. Often referred to as S. boulardii, it works in several different ways. One unique property of S. boulardii is that it supports the stimulation of the enzymes found in the intestinal lining. These enzymes help your horse digest starches and sugars in the small intestine. When the sugars and starches are more completely digested, fewer of them escape into the hindgut where they can ferment and cause imbalances that may lead to colic, diarrhea, and laminitis. Saccharomyces boulardii is found in Nalox Advanced, Made by Kentucky Performance Products. Nalox Advanced contains a blend of yeast, fermentation solubles, and stomach buffers. These ingredients work together to maintain your horse's digestive tract in peak condition. Nalox Advanced is recommended for horses of all ages and stages and is fed on a daily basis. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. I'm so excited to have on the show one of my favorite people, I think just on the planet, but also she's like super smart and the host of Dressage Radio Show, uh, Reese Koffler-Stanfield. Hi, Reese. Hi, guys. I'm honestly, I'm blushing a little bit. Oh, my, that was like the nicest intro I've ever gotten, Jenny. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I'm kind of tearing up a little. I'm like, oh, that was so sweet. Aww, that was nice. Thank you. you. Thank you for being on. So you're the host of Dressage. You're a gold medal winning, you know, USDF rider. And you took time out of your day to come talk to us about getting these crazy thoroughbreds to be fancy dressage pose. Yes, yes. Well, so, you know, I'm, a, I'm actually a native of Lexington, Kentucky. I am from Kentucky. And you can imagine, I have been working with thoroughbreds my entire life. So I, they have a soft spot in my heart for sure. So I, I think I have a little experience, but I learn every day with them. Well, then that's what we wanted to talk to you about was to kind of talk to you a little bit about your experiences with the thoroughbreds. Obviously, uh, Reese is in Lexington at Maple Crest Farm. So you can go to maplecrestfarmky.com to see uh, a little bit more about her place and what she does. But uh, what are some what are some some things you would tell us about the thoroughbred that you've learned? Well, I think they're such a versatile horse. And that's one of the things that I absolutely love about them is they're incredibly versatile. And so as you train them, I think that's really important is to keep them busy, if that makes sense. And especially the horses that have been trained to be on the racetrack. Now, what do you mean by busy? Yeah. So, you know, I, well, even with the warm blood, right? So when you train different horses, right, even warm bloods, I'm not a big driller. 
So I'm not somebody that thinks that a dressage horse should go in a dressage ring every day because I think that's a great way to make them crazy. Let's be real. We don't want to work in the same environment every day. A little change is always a good thing. And that's one of the things that I would say, especially with a thoroughbred and one that has had a career prior to being retrained. You know, these guys have already had a career. They know how to work every day. They know the routine. So I love to pull out some Cavalettis. Jamie, you know, I'm not a huge jumper, but (laughs) I I don't actually jump anything because I'm not good at it. But I always have a rider that is very, very good at jumping. So I think it's good that they do some Cavaletti work. I think it's good that they do some trail work. I think they need to work in the field. I think they need to work in different environments. That is really important with a thoroughbred because they're such a smart horse. And that's one of the things that I think you, you learn as you train them. I think what what's most amazing about what you just said is that, that there is a world outside of the dressage ring for Reese Coffer Stanfield. I mean, it's important. <laughs> I think it, what you said is so important. There's so many, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's so many dressage riders that that don't go on trail rides, mm-hmm. you know, and don't get their horse out. Is that something that you would say is more more necessary for thoroughbreds or for all horses? Well, I think all horses for sure. Right. I think, but I will be honest, like I have a a, a lovely uh, Grand Prix horse and he's 15 now. Not really a hacker, not really good at it. (laughs) Right. It doesn't relax him to go like we can go on a little walk around the property. Not a great time to start trail riding. You know what I mean? Like he did, it doesn't, it doesn't compute to him. So, so I think it does depend on, on the horse. I also have, um, of warm blood. They're not sometimes the smartest on the trail. <laughs> I have one. He's just, he's, he's fine until he's not fine. And then it's like, well, this isn't relaxing for anyone, but in general, I think dressage horses need to go out. They need to work on different footing. I think that's really important for proprioception, right? So working on grass, working on, on footing, working on chat a little uh, harder. Some people do road work, I don't, I don't personally, I don't have a great spot to do road work, so I don't work on the roads, but the, the harder, the softer, the uneven, I think that's incredibly important as you train horses. And I think with the thoroughbreds, especially the ones that have been in training before, you don't have to give them a work ethic. Typically they have it already. So what you're trying to do is sort of refocus them on what their new job's going to be. That's interesting that you mentioned that they already have the work ethic, but are there other challenges that you might face with a a thoroughbred in the dressage ring? You see it very dominated by warm bloods. What challenges have you seen a thoroughbred take on to try to stay at that same competition level? No, I think that's a great question. So I have, um, I'm actually uh, right now in, in Wellington, Florida, and my assistant, she has a wonderful thoroughbred. Um, and I'm trying to remember his breeding, but he's here and he's, absolutely wonderful. And one of the challenges that we found with him is number one, turnout. I think turnout for him is really critical. Uh, He needs to get out there and move a little bit. So that's important. He was in kind of a smaller turnout area. And when he was in the smaller, he really wasn't kind of sort of able to crack his back and and get his back looser. Right. So he was in full training, race training. Um, Unfortunately, he's not eligible for the retired racehorse project because of when she, when she got him. So it's kind of a bummer because he's absolutely lovely. He's long, he's lanky. Uh, but that's one of the things you have to remember with him is like he does need to move maybe more than a warm blood would need to move. So I think mm-hmm. 
you know, lunging, I think turnout is essential. Uh, if you're not in a place that has good turnout, he does need a lunge every once in a while just to let him move forward. Also, when she rides him, letting him canter a little bit and just move is important. Um, just letting him, and sometimes it's not even being round. It's not, you know, I like a little softness, but he needs to move forward. And I think that's really critical because if, if we try to collect him too early, he gets way too tight in his body and way too tight in his back. And so I think it's really important to let him move forward. So that would be one thing that's important. That's what we talked about with Leandra one or two weeks ago Mm -hmm. um, over at New Vocations is some Mm -hmm. of these horses, I mean, they don't know how to move forward. And a lot of times they really don't want to anymore. And so you have to really teach them kind of step by step on how to go forward before you would even think about picking up that contact because then you're just pulling them as opposed to pushing them and you lose all that forward momentum. Um, So as far as some of the, the thoroughbred behaviors and, and I mean, obviously they're so athletic Mm -hmm. and so, so so what are some of the exercises that you would do with a horse that is recently, you know, off the track and is kind of just starting their dressage career? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And I will, I, you know, I kind of sometimes have to put that caveat of it. It depends (laughs) because it really does depend, right? It it always (laughs) depends. And, and, um, I've been very lucky because my, my last two assistants, my current assistant and my former assistant, both have gotten horses, thoroughbreds off the track. And, uh, one was great. We took, we took that particular mare to the retired racehorse project in Lexington. And that was quite a journey. And just going through that journey with her was, was really fun. And then we have, um, Parker with us here. And so, and then we have actually an older, he was an event horse. And so he's an older thoroughbred. And one of the things that I find with them in general is you have to work on the tightness of their back, right? Because you're, you're literally changing the way, you know, it's literally like if you were a sprinter and then you're becoming a weightlifter, right? So you have different muscles that you've developed over time. You also have every athlete has soreness, right? And it's something that we work on all the time, right? We, we try to do as much work as we can with these horses on, on not having the soreness, mm-hmm. but every athlete has soreness. I have soreness, you know, I've been trying to work on my fitness, you know, and, and so I'm sore, right? That doesn't mean I can't do my job, but I have had to, you know, tape my knees and, and do some things to help me as I'm increasing my fitness and doing other things exactly the same with, with horses and especially horses that have come off the track. So I found it's really important. Number one, that, that you do check that. I always say that make sure you do a veterinary check and that you have worked with your veterinarian about the level of fitness that you're doing before you change this horse's career. And then once you've changed and you're working toward your next, whatever you're doing, if it's hunter jumpers, if it's dressage, that you take it step by step and remember that that horse has had a prior career doing doing a different task. And then you've got to really take it back to the studs, really, and, and really take it back to the beginning and re-educate that horse because the aids that they know are not necessarily the aids that you're going to be using for your next career, mm-hmm. whatever that career may be. So you have to kind of reinstall those particular aids, if, if that makes sense. 
It does. So, so what are some of the the ways that you would suggest doing that and reinstalling the aids? Because when you said that they're not necessarily going to have the same ones, yeah, no, they're not. I'm we're, no. we're done galloping <laughs> forward with your head up fast. Yeah, I want you to done. go and stop and turn and move your rib cage and bend your and bend your body and lower your frame. You know, all of those things. Yes. So, what are some little like details yeah. that you would you would concentrate on? Just for example, again, every. Every horse is different. So I'm not yeah. trying to like say do every, horse, is different. every horse, but I am a big fan of lunging with young horses, not in a very tight circle, not running around like a crazy person, but I'm a fan of the fact that they need to learn a little bit of a side rein, right? So I think, you know, a proper groundwork and proper lunging in side reins or, or, or something along those lines that teaches that horse to be soft over their back. I also think as a rider, the quieter you can be while reinstalling these aids is really important, right? Because that horse is taught to run fast. And if you pull, sometimes they go faster. So you have to learn, you know, does your horse turn left and right? Can you ride a stop? You know, cause I think a dressage horse has to stop, go forward and turn. Those are like the three kind of main things. Mm -hmm. And so as you're doing those things, like can your horse just do a walk halt, right? Cause a lot of times with a young thoroughbred, it's a walk and a dance and then maybe a stop and then a move forward. Mm -hmm. So, you know, can it, can that horse walk and halt? That's really important. Can that horse walk and turn right? And maybe as in a, a, a bit of a square turn versus a round turn, right? Those are actually different aids between a square turn and a round turn and can a horse maybe stop halt and then ride a square turn through a corner. Okay. Cause a lot of times that horse is going to throw their head up and throw their body all over the place. And what you're trying to say is, Hey, my inside leg and my inside rein work in, in this way. And my outside leg and my outside rein work in this way. So I, I teach people that they should be in a railroad track motion. If that makes sense, right? So the horse, a railroad track has to turn as a unit. And that's a little bit one of the things that a, that a horse needs to learn as they're, as they're retraining. They also need to learn that forward doesn't mean run like heck with your head in the air. <laughs> that's important, right? Because that's what they're trained to do. So when you are starting to install canter, and a lot of people are nervous to canter a racehorse for the first time. And I would really encourage you that that's a great time to call in a trainer or uh, I'm very lucky in Lexington that there's a lot of my riders that are very good at that. And so I call someone in that is good at that and say, okay, we need to kind of canter this horse for the first time. And it's not a run, right? But theoretically that horse already knows how to walk, trot and canter round and soft on the lunge line and then move forward to a rider. Gotcha. So that's one of the things that we do as you're going forward. I love that I the, the visual of the the railroad because you're right everything everything moves as a unit and what's interesting too is I always start my racehorses on a square before mm -hmm. I even think about a circle because they do have to know what that outside they, they need to know what legs are legs, what is this thing rings, that yeah. is the hanging down below my saddle it I'm actually is telling me something I don't understand so that's interesting this is great um so if you do clinics right or you just competing right now 
Well, I do all of it. So I, I was very lucky. I actually took the FEI USDF certified instructor exam. So uh, a couple of years ago, which is really cool because um, and I would encourage if anyone wants to know about that program, please reach out to me because I, I think it, certified instructors are, are such an important part of what we're doing in this country. Um, so I took that exam. So I teach a lot and I love it. I love to teach. Uh, I love to teach all levels. Uh, I I have all kinds of horses in my in my barn from from Grand Prix to barely trotting, and I love that. So I'm very very lucky that I'm able to do that and in all breeds and and if if somebody wants to learn dressage or even just how do I get my horse started, I'm I'm always happy to help them. Well, you can go find Reese at maplecrestfarmky.com. And I think you need to come out here to Oklahoma and teach clinics. Oh my gosh. That oh, I would love it. And please listen to the dressage radio show and uh, you can find us at dressage radio show. And we talk about dressage all the time, every week we, and then once, once a month, um, we are so lucky. We have the Western dressage show hosted by Stacy Westfall gives us a week off and Stacy's amazing. So please come and check us out because this is what we talk about all the time. You know what? We're not going to hold that against you. So we'll <laughs> let that slide that you only talk about dressage. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to jump. I can't t- teach jumping. I, I good. I, I, that's why they listen to you guys. Cause I can't help with that, but I would love to help in any way I can. And oh, you can also, you. yeah, you can reach out um, Reese at horseradionetwork.com is my email. And I'm so happy that we're, we're kind of all partners in crime and, and, and I'd love, love being able to come on your all show as well. Reese, thank you so much for joining us. Love you, mean it. Love you too. I know I miss you guys and stay safe and well and good luck retraining your horses. Cashel Company helps you enjoy the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions. From cantle bags to horn bags and everything in between, comfort and convenience on the trails what Cashel does best. To stay up to date with the latest products and news, follow Cashel Company on Facebook and Instagram. And to find their products, visit an authorized dealer or visit cashelcompany.com. Well, Jamie, we just got done talking about thoroughbreds in the dressage ring, but now we're going to turn it to a standard bred who went to the dressage ring. Love it. It's so much fun. We have Amanda Preston on who she's been an equine enthusiast her whole life and running her own business up in Canada, Equa Health Canada for years now. And she ended up picking up this little standard bred who's been making some waves. Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Of course. Uh, First, let's introduce you to our listeners here. Tell us a little bit how you got started in riding and how you got started in dressage. Um, Well, I come from the province of Saskatchewan up here in the Great White North. Uh, One of the larger, quote, cities is, is Prince Albert in Saskatchewan. And that's where I kind of grew up in the middle of the bush. Nobody really knows where it is. But <laughs> somebody said horse to me when I was about nine years old. And it just was this horrible disease that I've never managed to kick. <laughs> um, I was visiting family in Kelowna, British Columbia, and they were having dressage classes. They're not something I'd ever seen in Saskatchewan. But I watched a horse doing single tempies, effectively skipping down the center line of dressage and I went I want to do that I don't know what it is but I want to do that and I've loved it I've had the opportunity to be down at San Diego uh, at Arroyo Del Mar and watch Stefan Peters and his wonderful team down there train with my warm blood stallion so it's led me to a lot of wonderful adventures and I have this really cool little black horse who comes along with me and that's Jose Yes, because you work primarily with warm bloods, I think, prior. And how did you end up acquiring a standard bread? 
it, it's a funny story. I fell in love with an old broodmare. Her name was Chris Dundee up here in Edmonton. We'd relocated. And she was the sweetest thing in the world. She had so much heart and try, and she was a babysitter kind of mare. And I ended up purchasing her son, who was my first warm blood. His name was Smirnoff by a warm blood stallion named Sagittarius. And he was, he was, he was gold. I mean, the best horse in the Hoyd world. And I unfortunately lost him far too early to an injury. We did manage to show third level together, but my heart was stuck with that standard bred influence. I had originally purchased Jose just to be a companion horse for my young stallion. His name is Richie, registered La Bamba SE, just in case you want to look him up too. And and Jose ended up being just a little bit too passive to be a companion for the young stallion. So I got him started under saddle. And I think his real career started when we started training for tricks. And he's amazing. This horse has so much heart. He just says yes to every little a question I ask him, everything I ask him to try, he says yes. And he's, we've done dressage, we've done horseback archery, we've done calendars and promotional photo shoots doing tricks for things. We've, we've done performances in front of, for warm-ups for the Royal Canadian Mounted Police Musical Ride, as well as military mounted troops. I, you name it, we're up for it. Oh my gosh, what a diverse little dude. And mm-hmm. You only paid cents for him. Did you ever think that he was going to go this far for $400? No, I hadn't. And that's Canadian money too. So that's, that's like 325 of your American dollars. Yeah. I bought, right. I bought a (laughs) two-year-old who was up to date on vaccines, all of his hoof care, regularly handled, broke to harness in a cart. So he'd already been, you know, tacked and and cross-tied and groomed and, he had all of this experience and training. I, I feel like I stole him. I did. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's such a great story. Such an underdog story, but I love it. Mm-hmm. So what, what was your challenges that you faced transitioning him from pacing to dressage? I'm really, really fortunate. And this little dude, since he was only two years old when I got him, he wasn't really a natural pacer. The reason why he got kicked out to a home rather than on the track was that they couldn't get him to pace. Long hobbles, short hobbles, they told me that they just couldn't get him to pick up the rhythm. He's naturally a walk, trot, canter kind of horse, and I never really had to work on transitioning the gates. The canter wasn't strong, and it still isn't his strongest gate, but it's clear three beat, and that's great. And I think... A lot of these horses do and will come around to to a three-beat canter gait and, and will naturally trot if they're explained how to do this and the time is taken with them and they're given exercises where they can get strong and balanced and succeed. They have so much heart. They'll try their little brains out if they just understand what the process is and how to get through it. Absolutely. And we kind of have had a theme this episode about relaxation. Did you find with him being an ex-racer that he struggled to relax into trainings? And if so, did you have any exercises you did with him? Um, I'm a dressage rider. So my training in the tack starts from long, low and forward. I think that's the most important thing. And with that balance at the foundation of the pyramid, you can grow everything. 
we did a lot of work on 20 meter circles and then bigger circles out in the field and, and just finding that balance. And he's more balanced himself on a circle than in a straight line. It's kind of interesting because most horses I've ridden and trained are kind of the opposite, mm-hmm. but he finds more balance in a big circle. I found for him also um, in developing the canter, especially that working him on a little bit deeper, softer ground a little bit deeper arena footing helped him get more comfortable in a jumpy canter kind of motion. I'm, I'm not talking about something so deep where we're going to get, you know, damage, wind puffs, that kind of thing. But but certainly something deeper to help him get onto his hind quarter and, and jumping a little bit more. Yeah. Fascinating. That's so interesting. And I love that you're talking about the long and low. We just, we had a couple Mm -hmm. conversations about getting that back nice and relaxed and getting the stretch in there. So I love how that's coming full circle with every interview we've had today. Oh, yay. (laughs) Did you find it difficult or even intimidating to uh, take him out to a dressage competition with all the warm bloods and thoroughbreds? That's so very valid. And, uh, you know, it, it isn't just dressage that we do. We do the odd rail class and in hand as well, because I like to be really rounded and really versatile. And yes, that's the short answer, especially in the dressage world. Now, I keep Jose to the local shows, the schooling shows and stuff, because it's not where he, he honestly um, thrives. He, he loves doing demonstrations and teaching clinics about the tricks, and that's where he really, really shines. But I like dressage. So when I enter a show with him, I know for me, I'm writing for my most accurate test on him because he's going to say yes to everything. Mm -hmm. But because he's got a white tattoo on his neck and the judges do see that, yeah, they do honestly judge him harder. And he just just isn't a warm blood, right? He just isn't going to have that incredible big jumpy canter and, and, and natural change, you know, all that silly stuff. Um, but that doesn't make him any less valuable at it to me because I get to ride a more accurate test on him and I get to be more influential as a rider. So yeah, it has its challenges and, and, you know, eyes wide open going into the ring. But at the end of the day, what are you there for? If you're only there for the pretty ribbons, May I personally question your intention <laughs> in dressage? But if you're there for you, yourself and your better scores and your horse and the adventure and, and the training, uh, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you take him and go? Yeah. Uh, Jamie, it's like going back to the, our original conversation of making your own journey, telling your own story. Yeah. It's true. Oh gosh, awesome. that's so great. If you, if someone was looking or they have a standard bread or we're looking mm-hmm. to adopt on it, but they're dressage riders, would you encourage them to do so or what to look for in that? Absolutely. And, and you know what, for myself, even more so in my breeding program, I have a half standard bread mare and I, I've encountered half standard bread warm bloods before in sport. That was my first warm blood, my gelding, Mirnoff. They, they give you even more trot. Certainly the canter influence has come through really, really well in my breeding program. I haven't seen pacers or lateral movement at all in my breeding program. And I've got more young standard bred warm blood mixes coming next year. I'm really excited about, I wouldn't hesitate to put them A, in your breeding program and B, as a trainer, as a rider to develop a horse off the track, standard bred you're going to challenge yourself and you're going to really expand your own skills and 
frankly, you might save a life because they are underdogs. A lot of people just cast them aside and they end up going for dog food. And and it's tragic because there's way more standard breads, at least in Canada, than there are thoroughbreds. I think they outnumber them three to one Mm -hmm. in truth. So you're going to likely, if it's between a standard bread and a thoroughbred, at least up here, you're looking at um, $2,000, $2,500, that kind of area for a thoroughbred off the track with a standard bread, you're looking at $500 mm-hmm. is an average going rate for, for a horse. Again, that's been tacked and in a barn and trailered and has all of its maintenance and handling. And, you know, if, if you're on a budget, especially, man, why wouldn't you? Absolutely. I really feel like what you're doing is you're being a brand ambassador for <laughs> the standard bread. I mean, j- you know, I have a Mustang that I've evented and all that. And I just, oh, I, I, yeah. So he's got the brand on his neck too. And I, I didn't feel like anybody judged him harsher. Maybe they did. I felt like I named him Zeus the Mustang. So everybody on the, the, the PA would hear that there, what there's a Mustang. Oh my gosh. They can do that too. And that is what you're doing is you're letting people know that, yes, this can be done. You can do it. Mm -hmm. You betcha. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today, Amanda. I think you really outlined what we're trying to do here at Retired Racehorse Radio. And oh, it, it is save lives. Heart. It's to advocate for these horses. And to me, it's it helps the sport as well thrive. They're an affordable Definitely. and talented option for those who can't import a horse from Europe or right. can't afford um, the you know, Arabian or quarter horse or whatever they're looking for here. Mm-hmm. It's a trained horse that you got to put a little work into, have a little patience and a lot of love. Mm-hmm but we'll, they'll give you everything. So at the end thank of the you day, for so much hard. <laughs> they really do. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. If people want to learn more about you or reach out of how they can get their own standard bread cross for dressage, where should they reach you? Oh gosh, I'm all over the place on Facebook. Um, my business page is standards equine and certainly uh, www.standardsequine.com is up as well. Uh, if you're on Instagram and you want to see Jose Jalapeno, his hashtag is Jose Jalapeno, just like the Jeff Dunham character. Sorry, I'm not copywriting that. Um, Jose Jalapeno, the horse, and he's all over there. Oh, thank you so much again, and we wish you guys the best and look forward to seeing what you guys do in the future for Sander Breads. Thank you so much, and thank you guys for what you're doing as well. It's just wonderful. Bates Saddles are the saddle brand that truly put your horse first. Enjoy comfort, optimal balance, and seamless contact with your horse, leaving you free to concentrate on your aids. Bates Saddles offer you many features you don't find with other saddle brands, including the external flexi-block system, which is anatomically contoured to your leg, allowing it to ride in behind the block and support your individual position for maximized comfort and security. An adjustable ergonomic stirrup bar, which allows effortless rider alignment to be achieved by altering the position of the stirrup bar, enabling you complete control over your preferred leg position. Many styles are available, including the new Bates Dressage Saddles, the Bates Victress Show Jumping Saddle, and the Bates Advanta Eventing Saddle. It is the official saddle of the United States Eventing Association. You can learn more about Bates Saddles at BatesSaddles.com. That's BatesSaddles.com.
And now it's time for the New Vocations Winter Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. As always, we'd love to have the Kentucky Facility Director and Trainer, Leandra Cooper, on. Hello, Leandra. Well, hello. Thank you so much for joining us once again. We're going to highlight one of your special horses, but Joy and I both have a training tip question for you, being that you see, you know, 150 racehorses a day. Um, I want to know, we're kind of both wondering, what are some good ways to create relaxation in a horse that's right off the track? You know, they come off the track, they have a little bit of downtime, they're being restarted, but they're still thinking, I'm a racehorse, I'm a racehorse. What are Mm -hmm. some things that you do to get them to relax and to forget about their past life? Sure. Well, there are a million different things and tips that you could apply for those scenarios. And obviously every horse is going to be a little different, but I will say the two big picture concepts that I try to stick with are clarity and routine. Both of those things are good for the mental expectations because clarity will help to And what I mean by that is really making clear what you're asking of the horse. So if you're having a horse who's anxious under saddle, they usually take great comfort in just understanding what you're asking. And a lot of the breakdown and frustration and anxiety comes because you're asking them to have a different answer to the questions they've always thought that they have known. So you're, you're asking them to canter when cantering is not something that maybe they've do so much as just, you know, sort of jog to the gate and then doing hand gallops and full gallops. So you're going through a mental transition. And so being as clear about your ask and your expectations are, is something that's going to help bring relaxation over time um, because of that understanding. And the second one being routine, because in a very similar sense, this addresses the, the mental part of that transition where you can establish comfort because they're very routine-based creatures and you're asking them to, like obviously going from the track to um, a different barn environment can be very, very different. They have um, very structured routines many times the track. And so you can try to establish a new routine rather than just have it be totally up in the air, there is great comfort for them mentally to be taken from that routine. And that might just be with my horse, there's stretches that we do every day um, or just, you know, your grooming routine or when you're riding, you just uh, walk them through some exercises or just having that long walk warm up. Those are really basic things that you can apply to just about any scenario And then, of course, when you're riding, you can add lots of different ways that you can engage your horse and uh, help them to mentally concentrate. But really that understanding of your horse's physical and mental limitations and helping them bridge that gap between what they know and what you're asking from them. So the stuff that they will learn, so you're asking what they know, that's what you're needing to bridge that gap. And so if you apply that structure and just helping them to establish that you're going to be much better off. So it sounds like joy, a little bit of what we were talking about earlier is, Mm -hmm. is live your own, you know, truth (laughs) and ride your own journey and uh, be patient and just don't expect too much at once. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's I always say to my riders and anyone who will listen, patience and a sense of humor are going to be two of your best tools to get through <laughs> just about anything. Fantastic. I love it. And I love the video, by the way, of the horse informed consent who we're going to highlight today. His barn name is awesome. It's Jeff. Hello, Jeff. <laughs> and yeah, he does come from a Royal family. His half brother is a Kentucky Derby winner. I mean, he's amazing, but the video that you guys posted is adorable. It's somebody just out riding him bareback. Was that you? Yeah. No, that's one of my fantastic riders, Julie. She just, and that's actually the first time he's been ridden bareback <laughs> that we just decided to film and then put on his profile because that's the kind of Jeff that he is. And it just seems like we always went back to that name. Uh, everybody knows that Jeff who's just kind of the cool guy. He's the fun one to be around the life of the party. And that's who this horse is. He's, um, he has this huge personality like he's the horse that you can't miss in the barn and he is very attractive he stands around 16 to or maybe just shy of it but he's really big bodied big personality he'll swing his head around to get your attention and he just is the horse you can snuggle with he's the horse who will entertain you every moment of the day and he just has this very go with the flow attitude to him so you can just get on him bareback for the first time take a video and you can just take it out on a trail ride and expect him to be the same horse through and through. He just is that, he's that Jeff, you know? His mm. blaze is unique too, because it's the number seven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like the lucky seven. Lucky seven. Now, of course he has his issues here and there. He's got some screws in his front ankle from a previous injury, but he's sound now. And he uh, had some cripping issues, but it says it's easily managed. So if you want to learn about informed consent, consent, where Leandra, can they go and find out more about him? Jeff. Well, you can head right <laughs> to our website, newvocations.org. And if you go to the tab that says horses, you can see both informed consent and the other horses who are available for adoption that we add to constantly. So if you don't see anything that appeals to you now, just keep checking and I'm sure we'll find something. And of course, you know, Jeff is really expensive at $500. So <laughs> you're going to get a nice horse for a good price. And he is so real. I mean, talk about relaxed. He is just walking around with somebody bareback, just like, okay, chilling. No big deal. Yeah. And he loves to just hang out. So if you need that horse who has the big personality, who has the belt, he has the looks, you got a lot of pieces there, then look no further because informed consent, he's, he's your guy. You can find our show notes and links to today's guest on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search for Retired Racehorse Radio. We're on Twitter at Horse Radio. And I have a Facebook page, Flyover Farms, Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor. And my email is jamie at horseradionetwork.com. My email is joy at horseradionetwork.com or find me on Instagram at the foodie equestrian. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Bates Saddles, and Cashel Products. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. Bye, guys. Bye.